0: Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson,
1: Carlson. Hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson. Ingen faktiskt ingen annan Carlson spelar så bra
0: som mig. Carlson, Carlson. Carlson scores. Carlson. Carlson. yeah, Carlson. yeah, Fire yeah everybody. So, the so, 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 Fantasy Hockey El- 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 Podcast, the longest-running so, fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted so, by a guy who wonders what I would do if I was in an Elias Lindholm situation where I had all new podcast co-hosts to start next season. I'm your host, Elon Dubrovsky, and Psych. Like, just kidding. I am not your co-host because once again, we've got the great Ben Burnett from Short Shifts taking the mic this time to talk to Kent Wilson all about the Calgary Flames as we continue our 32 Beats Beat Writer series into September. Wow, I can't believe it's almost time for draft season and for fantasy hockey to come back feels like it's been forever if you missed our mock draft live commentary episode from last weekend you definitely should check it out it's a two-parter brian and i had a lot of fun digging into a draft that some of our awesome patrons took part in live on the show and then make sure you're subscribed to keeping carlson for our next episode because it is an annual tradition schmore goalies board that episode that we do once a year in september where we put all of the NHL goalies into tears to try to help you prepare for your NHL fantasy draft. So yeah, check it out. But, of course, first, you've, we've got a fun one here, right? Talking about the Flames. Before we get to that, a couple other quick things. First of all, Keeping Carlson proudly presented by DauberHockey.com. you got to get that Dauber guide to prepare for your drafts. Everyone knows that, right? So get that over at DauberHockey.com. Also, it's still not too late to sign up to become a patron of Keeping Carlson and then join the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League. The registration deadline is September 8th, so you're you've got about a week to uh, get in on our ultimate league. And I think you won't regret your decision because it is a competitive league with other hardcore fantasy managers like yourself. If you've never played before, you'll start in tier eight this year. But if you win tier eight, you're going to be in tier five. Next thing you know, you could go to tier two. You could get to tier one before long. And either way, you're going to have a blast along the way. We've been doing everything we can to set up this league to be the best season yet for the Cacuple. And uh, also, you get other perks for becoming a patron of Keeping Carlson. You get to hang out in our Discord where we have all the league chats and everything for the Cacuple, but also just general advice and, and channels. We're going to have live game chat go. Oh, man, I can't. I'm so excited for all of this to get started. For the season to go but the the discord already popping all right so check it out become a patron keeping carlson try it out try out the couple like i said i don't think you're gonna regret it so it's all at keepingcarlson.com slash patron if you have any questions about the league itself hit us up on twitter at keeping carlson we'll answer every question that you throw at us like we always do but okay with that let's talk about the calgary flames they've had quite the exciting summer Quite a revamp there on that top line. We've got Mackenzie Wieger coming in on defense. Always interested to hear about the prospects. I know that everyone is saying this Wolf guy is going to be a big goalie one day. I wonder if that's going to be sooner rather than later. But anyways, I guess Kent Wilson is going to tell us all about it. So take it away, Ben.
2: Welcome back to Keeping Carlson. I am your host for tonight's show, Ben Burnett. We have another exciting edition of the offseason beat writer interview series and tonight we have a fantastic guest kent wilson a longtime writer for flames nation uh has bylines on the athletic uh now you can follow him and his flames thoughts on twitter and he also runs a discord called big body presence uh where i presume other flames fans uh can hang out and talk shop kent thanks for joining us
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Even though I'm not really a beat writer anymore,
2: but (laughs) that's right. Yeah, but I think that you you follow the team closely enough that you're kind of uh, you fulfill the need over here. We want those uh, those insiders who who follow the team really closely.
1: Yeah, I can still talk about them at least.
2: <laughs> Excellent. Well, I mean, let's talk about the team in a general sense to start, and then we'll get into some of the players. Um, you know, starting with sort of the tough spot that Tr- Jim Tree Living was was looking at heading into the offseason. You have Johnny Gaudreau with the career year heading into unrestricted free agency. Um, obviously, chooses to go to Columbus for less money, reportedly, than the Flames were were willing to pay. And then you have Matthew Kachuk, one of the best young players in the league. Uh, and a restricted free agent with a few te- a few years left of team control, he forces his way out of town. Um, I'm gonna quote a uh, a coworker of mine from when I lived in Alberta that feels appropriate. Uh, tree living took chicken shit, turned it into chicken soup. Uh, brings in Jonathan <laughs> Huberto, uh, replacing Goudreau's point total from last year. He lands Naam Kadri, probably the best pure center on the market. Um, gets a top pair D-man out of the Kachuk trade in Mackenzie Weger. I think you could argue either way. This team is better or worse than they were a year ago, but this is a team that basically, you know, stared a rebuild in the face and said, no, I'm curious <laughs> if you think these were the right moves for this team this year.
1: They were the right moves as long as they were determined not to rebuild, which is pretty clear that they, they were not, <laughs> Um I thought it was going to be a lot more painful because I knew the organization does not rebuild, at least not on purpose. Uh, It's always been dragged kicking and screaming into its rebuilds in the past. So I thought this summer was going to be kind of painful, maybe some really bad UFA signings and then sort of hobble into the season and try to be, you know, the eighth seed in the West or something. But yeah, to turn Kachuk into the package he did. You know, change the entire tenor of the offseason for the Flames and the Flames fans, honestly, because there was some despair uh, going on for sure. And right, rightly so. When you lose your two top point getters <laughs> from the regular season, um you start to wonder what the future holds. But, yeah, it's going to it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting, at least. It looks like they can still at least be a going concern in the West.
2: Yeah, it's nice to you know. Sometimes you have an, a boring off season. Sometimes you have an exciting off season for bad reasons. But at least this one was you know a fun, exciting. I feel
1: well, not for a long period of time. <laughs> Quite honestly, <laughs> it was it was periods of very boring because nothing was happening, and then catastrophic because everything was happening that could go <laughs> wrong, and then euphoric. I suppose if you're a Flames fan, so it was. Yeah, it was a roller coaster for sure.
2: And so um, the other thing that I, I feel like has happened this offseason that everyone or at least very recently is the Flames released video of Mackenzie Weger arriving at their at their uh, training or at their uh, training facility into the locker room. People are going off on the Saddle Dome <laughs> facilities, which if you've yeah. been in the Saddle Dome, probably doesn't. I mean, to those of us who have been in the Saddle Dome, it doesn't surprise you. Uh, what is your take on the, the conversation around the Weger video?
1: Uh you know I mean, I don't feel too sorry for most hockey players. I don't mm-hmm. really i I played in much worse dressing rooms
2: when I was growing <laughs> up and i wasn't
1: I wasn't being paid millions of dollars to do it yeah yeah it's, it's an old building right it's just, it's, yeah.
2: it's a bar not
1: going yeah, it's not a palace um guys sweat there they work there it would be nice to have a nicer place, but in the end, you know crammy river honestly
2: yeah absolutely <laughs> well, uh it's. It's rare that I get to talk to somebody about a team and and the clear, uh, marquee player on the, on the board is, is a new player. But I mean, with Jonathan Huberto on the team, the flames have added one of the best playmakers in the league. He puts up 85 assists last year, 115 points. Um, and then is commits to Calgary after the trade too, which I think was a big, uh, a big area of concern after trading Kachuk. Um, so even though Huberto winds up leaving the NHL's highest scoring team in Florida last year, I'm still pretty confident he'll find a way to put up points. I mean, he's one of those guys who can function at a superstar level on a second line away from the team's best player. And, you know, you were familiar with Sam Bennett before the trade uh, to Florida. He did; he looked like a top five bust, and now Huberto <laughs> turns him into a, a very solid middle six center. Um, so I guess what I'm what I'm very curious about with Huberto is is where you think he fits best on this lineup.
1: Uh, I imagine he's going to start with uh, Lindholm uh, on the top line. You know, Lindholm and Gaudreau had really good chemistry. Uh, Lindholm's found. Uh, has become a sniper in Calgary, who wasn't really before he arrived here, but he's found his range pretty well, and he's a trigger man now. So, uh, the question is, who lands on the other wing on the top line? I think for mm-hmm. me, and um, Calgary's right wing is not very strong. It hasn't been for quite some time. They these often they're just moving left wings over to right, to the right wing. Yeah. Uh, so it might be Andrew Manjapani, who is a legit top line or top line forward at this point and also a really good sniper and trigger man so but they may want to spread it out too so does um magic county play with cadre on the second line okay who's that first line right winger now it's a um maybe he struggled a lot when he arrived in calgary quite frankly uh, down the stretch he looked pretty spent i don't know if it was just a lot of hockey over the years or he's starting to hit a wall as a player but uh, I think he'll get a look, but um yeah, I'm not sure what'll happen up ab- aside from that,
2: yeah, that was kind of my thought was that we would see a huberto lindholm uh Tyler to fully top line just because you know to fully serviceable, i guess from a just purely from a points perspective puts up about a fifty point pace uh over the thirty seven games he played in calgary, saw some time on the top power play, which you know if that if that were to continue could could potentially raise the ceiling next year i guess um do you think that it's possible that this is just a situation where he needed a little bit of time to adjust and and maybe with a full training camp you might be more optimistic about tyler to next year
1: yeah i i think so he's he's had a, a long history of being a solid two-way player and, and a good goal scorer um he looked very very slow in calgary painfully slow he couldn't can couldn't seem to get around the ice, quite honestly. He lost a lot of puck battles. He was a drain on almost any line he was on at even strength. And that is not the player that shows up in, in most analytics if you look at his history. So um, unless maybe he was injured, maybe he was he played a lot of hockey over the last couple of years. So we'll see. Um, Sutter did whip a lot of guys into shape in, in his first sort of off-season here and, and training camp. So maybe he just needs a, a Sutter training camp, honestly.
2: And that does seem as far as the forward go, forwards go, like that does seem like the swing player who if if Toffoli can turn it around, that really raises the the potential on that top line.
1: Yeah, definitely, because last year he was barely a third line player. And if if Toffoli is not a top line player, the, the team really has some scrambling to do when it comes to sort of their top six rotation. I mean, you, you move Manjapani up maybe, even though he's not a natural right hand shot and then what do you do on the second line so it's sort of (laughs) it'll be kind of a domino effect if to is not up to speed this year
2: yeah i suppose that's that's exactly right because it's like you you might need to put him on the top line with a Huberto lindholm combo just because he yeah he's he's you don't want him dragging down cadre with no one else on the other side to to score right um Going back to Lindholm, a player who you mentioned really turned into a star, uh, you know, scores 42 goals and 82 points in 82 games last year. Uh, when you look at those underlying percentages, the, the on-ice shooting percentages, the, you know, everything really went right for that Goudreau-Lindholm. Yes, yeah right like a uh, you could see matthew kachuk being just as effective of a player next year but not approaching 100 points in you know in florida as as one example but right with with lindholm a guy who you've obviously seen play quite a bit over the last few years you could see some regression in those underlying percentages but adding a linemate like jonathan Huberto might make that completely irrelevant um so i guess my question for you is if you had to if you had to kind of gamble on Lindholm next year, would you go over or under 40 goals, 80 points in 2023?
1: I'd probably do under just because you're right. Like I, I looked at the percentages this off season. I think they're shooting almost 13% that even strength, which is an absolutely bonkers, not nutty number. There's some power plays that don't do that, right? So and I think you know that's three talented players playing together, which is great, but Uh, I think it was just one of those seasons where everything lines up, everyone's healthy, everyone's playing at peak, and it just sort of compounds. So, you know, I think Lindholm's a 30-goal scorer with Huberdor pretty easily. 40, I think, is going to be a stretch unless everything lines up again.
2: Do you think 80 points is like, I I hear you saying if everything lines up, but is is it a little bit? Uh, would you be putting a projection for him around 70, 75? Is that a uh, would you be, feel like that's a safe range?
1: I do sixty to seventy. Oh wow! Okay, as a safe range? Yeah, it's. Okay. I mean his his other two line mates last year scored one hundred and fifteen and one hundred and five points, right? So mm-hmm. it's um, unless that happens again, I don't <laughs> see him getting eighty two. there's there's no shame in that for a player like uh, Lindholm who has a lot of other stuff on his plate. Uh, he usually plays against top players, uh, as probably as much as Michael Backlund, or m- maybe even more. He's on the PK, so yeah. You, I mean, you're you're still happy if he's doing sixty five points a year,
2: for sure. Maybe less so in fantasy, where where it, it looks like people are hoping <laughs> for that. Uh... We're we're getting a lot of uh, discussion around sort of uh, he's going in the top 50 or so towards towards that 50 point. And, and I think if he's not putting up that 75 plus point, you know, 35 goals, 75 point range, I, I think a lot of people will be disappointed in fantasy. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> Fair
2: enough. Uh, um, I guess the one thing speaking to the the center and speaking to the uh, the defensive um, the defensive obligations, bringing in a guy like Nazem Kadri, reputation as a very solid two way centerman. Um, last year, goes for eighty seven points in seventy one games. One of those players that um, you know the the long term contract extension. You would expect a player with coming off a one hundred point pace season would be able to command closer to 10 million, especially the only top six center on the market. Not, you know, it's not the best deal. I don't think, but like seven by seven, you could do a lot worse when you're, when you're signing a player like Kadri at age 31. Um, But you know, they get him at that cap hit. The interesting thing for me is to see what he can do when he's not getting power play time with McKinnon or Rantanen or Makar Uh, Calgary obviously has talent up front, but I guess uh, if we presume, you know, he's getting Mangiapane on the wing, even strength. um, I am still curious to sort of think how you think that the Flames power play will look next year, because it's they had a great lineup last year. They're adding two key pieces that, you know, Jonathan Huberto had like 45 power play points last year, something ridiculous like. Are you optimistic that that we could see, uh, you know, that Kadri could maintain a lot of those power play points that he put up last year?
1: I doubt it because I just don't think he's going to land on that top unit. Um, really?
2: Oh, interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah maybe, right? But I, I think they may want him to anchor the second unit just because Calgary's first unit power play last year was very good and their second unit power play was not very good. It was... Uh, you know, it had uh, up, ups and downs, but mostly it was waiting for the first unit to get back on the ice a lot of the time. So they may want to spread it out just a little bit, get him on the second unit and make that a bit more um, deadly than, than it has been in the past.
2: So if that were the case, I, I feel like it's pretty safe to say that we'll see a Huberto-Lindholm um, tandem anchoring that top unit. Um my guess would be that if they're trying to keep the second unit strong, that they might want to keep Andrew Mangiapani down on that second unit as well with Kadri. Uh So maybe Tyler tofoli you know, sticks on the top unit. Would you, would you guess on, you know, maybe it's going to be two defensemen then with that, that those three forwards.
1: Uh, I think it'll be one defenseman on the top unit and it'll be two on the, on the second unit. Um, they moved to the two defenseman unit on the second one i think midway through last year uh partially because partially because they don't have you know a lot of really really good power play defensemen so and they they're also nervous about um two-on-ones a power play ending with only one defenseman on the ice that type of thing right so uh yeah i i think they're going to go with you know four and one three and two um you never really know but that's what they were doing last year, at least for most of the year and the end of the year.
2: So would you guess that a, a player like, would it be a Dylan Dubé maybe, or a Blake Coleman who, who is the fourth forward there on the top unit? Uh,
1: they might have back lending cadre out there as well mm. with cadre or, or, are you talking about the first unit or I'm talking that? about
2: the first unit? Yes. Yeah, sorry. Oh
1: yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It's so it could be, they might have Manjipani up there as well. Like he mm-hmm. did flip flop between the two units and got more time on the top unit as the season went. Um, yeah, that would be probably another winger. And the other thing is, um, they have two right right-handed shots if it's Foley and uh, Lindholm on that first unit. So maybe they might drop one of those down to the second. It's, it's mm-hmm. power play stuff is always um touch and feel as you go in the season you start out with a couple of ideas in your head and then you see what works and it always changes
2: <laughs> yeah and to seems like a more natural fit on that second unit as somebody who has you know kind of anchored power play or like you know given montreal uh some options on the power play when he was there so maybe that's yeah. a, a more natural player to to bump down um We will talk about uh, power play defensemen as well. I'm very curious to ask you about uh, this new look defense, but we are going to take a very quick break before we do that. Uh, When we come back, we'll have Kent Wilson. You're listening to Keeping Carlson. Welcome back to Keeping Carlson. We're here with Kent Wilson talking all things Calgary Flames. Uh, Before we took a break, we were talking about the Flames top power play, and we talked about, a player who had a breakout in 2022, Andrew Mangiapani scored 32 goals with under 16 minutes of ice time, second power play time, shooting 19%. But if you look at the three-year shooting percentage on Mangiapani, he's averaging an 18% shooting, shooting percentage. So it seems likely he's going to still be a high percentage finisher next year as well. But even in that breakout season we just saw, there were periods where he really wasn't very rosterable in some fantasy leagues because when he's not scoring, he's not really doing much else on the stat sheet. A uh, bit of a Cy Young type numbers in the the goals and assist <laughs> ratio. Um, I guess I'm wondering, you know, from from what you see, do you think Mangiapane has another gear that you that you, that you think we could see next year?
1: Yeah, I think so. For one, he was underutilized under Sutter for mm-hmm. a while, as you said, he, he didn't get as much ice time as someone like him should he's a tremendous two-way player on top of being a sniper he also went like 2 months without getting a second assist it was the weirdest most uncanny thing i've seen and we know that second assists can be kind of random but yeah it was weird to chart watch him charting and he had goals first assists and no second assists i think he i think he finished the year with 7 7 second assists period which is pretty strange. And, but yeah, he also spent a lot of time sometimes on third lines, sometimes on the line with Michael Backlund face it, and Blake Coleman facing uh, the heavies on the other side. And, you know, Coleman and Backlund are great players, but they themselves are not snipers. So he'd set people up and pucks wouldn't go, wouldn't go in the net. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So if he does end up on a line with Kadri or, um, or Huberdo Huberto, Huberdo, sorry. Um, yeah, you can expect him to to probably have a fifty or fifty or sixty point season. Honestly,
2: yeah, it's I mean you have to think that the addition of of uh, a second high end center is, is he might yeah. be the the biggest beneficiary from you know returning Flames forward.
1: Absolutely, and he's a guy who should get more ice time than he did last year too. I and mean, that started to happen as things went along. So if he's playing eighteen minutes a night rather than sixteen he's on a first power play unit consistently and he's playing with another point getter. Yeah. He should be a solid fantasy option for sure.
2: Yeah. That's a really interesting, uh, a breakout candidate, I guess, or like a post breakout candidate where it's like, he's already <laughs> yeah. done the thing and you could sort of, it's, it's definitely possible to kind of like Andrew cop a few years ago, where you saw him put up like a decent season, but then he gets an extra two minutes of ice time. And all of a sudden his ceiling rises again. Um, yeah. I do want to go back to Kadri because I, I feel like I, I feel like I was just so gobsmacked about you know, we've we've on this show we've been talking about him for weeks now and, and projecting what he might do. Uh, yeah. you know, when we first thought he was gonna to go to Long Island, how he might look on a team with no one around him to play with, and then he goes <laughs> to Calgary and it's like, oh my god, like that's that's a team with some some offensive options. And uh I think for most folks there was a, a bit of a question about especially Elon the host uh, our host Elon has been sort of the trepidatious one in terms of projecting whether Huberto might play with Kadri or Lindholm just not wanting right. to make that call too early and and you know getting burned if you if you act too hard on on that info but yep. I don't know of many folks who are who are guessing that Kadri wouldn't be on the top power play and and that to me makes it um you know this is a player who prior to this breakout had never really topped. I think he topped 60 points, maybe once, maybe twice, but I'm really curious to know if, if Kadri comes into Calgary next year, second line, second power play. I mean, would you, do you think he would be topping like 60 points at that point? Cause or with that deployment, because it seems to me, that's a, that's a recipe for a very low scoring $7 million forward.
1: Yeah. I think that's entirely possible, honestly. And yeah, in the end, uh, you're paying him not just for his points, but for his goal and chance differential as a two way forward. You want to see him outscoring uh, the bad guys because, in the end, you do pay for points, but you really what you're looking for is goal differential when a guy's on the ice. So, and you know, seven million dollars is the price they had to pay to get him. So, even if he doesn't get 60 point, 60, 60, 70 points, I think they'll be relatively happy if they if he. Definitely fills that second line center uh, role, which has been a gap for the team for a while. Um, Michael Backlund's great two way player, uh, but he's a forty point player. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, it would be nice for him to fill that third line role, which he should be able to do finally this year because they've been trying to they've been trying to move him down the rotation for a long time, and, and nobody has ever been able to like kick him down there. Like it was supposed to be Sam Bennett, but he couldn't do it.
2: Yeah, Backlund is uh, one of those players I feel like his reputation is just so unfair because he's been such a solid defensive and, you know, a player who can put up some points in a middle six role. But you don't want to rely on him from a points perspective and to have him in the second line position just by default through the majority of his career. I think we we deserve Backlund deserves a little bit more respect.
1: Yeah, and the funny thing with Backlund is he is one of those guys that does more than points. Uh we have something in Calgary called the Backlund bump. So for years, Pete, they'd put underperforming wingers on his line, they'd have a career season, they'd get paid in the offseason, and then they would, if they weren't playing it with him again, they'd disappear. So Lance Boma, that happened with him. Uh Joe Coleman, that often happened with him. Like Backlund has this really long-running reputation at least here in Calgary of like making other players better even if he's always stuck at like the 40 point (laughs) plateau.
2: Boma is a a real blast from the past for me that was a name I had to had to pull up and and look at the numbers (laughs) but looks like he's still playing in Sweden which is kind of fun yeah wow yeah Um, well let's let's go down into the defensive ranks here and and I'm gonna I guess sort of Uh, run through uh, the three players who are probably the three defensemen who are probably going to be rostered in a lot of fantasy leagues this year. And very curious to hear sort of how you think uh, Sutter will use these guys in 2023. So, you know, obviously last year, Rasmus Anderson finds some comfort on the top power play unit, puts up 19 power play points and 50 points on the season. Um, Meanwhile, Noah Hannafin just behind him in points with 48 on the season from the second power play unit. And now the team brings in Mackenzie Weger, who had 44 points with barely any power play time on a very high-scoring Florida team. Um, Arriving in Calgary, though, where D-men are obviously able to put up offensive numbers. So, yeah, I mean, starting with with the power play, I guess, uh, how do you see these D-men being used on the power play this coming fall?
1: Yeah, that's one of the toughest questions. And it's one that the, the team has kind of struggled with for years, too, Hannaford actually started on the, on the top power play unit uh, last year, and they kind of flipped it as the season went along. Then they went to two defensemen on the second unit because it was it was one and four for both for a while. Um, they don't seem overly satisfied with, with any of the options, to tell you the truth. From a pure skill perspective, it should be Anderson. Um, he should score more than he does in the NHL. I'm I've, I've, Like 50 points was a good season but I'm always waiting for him to break out just a little bit more because he's yeah. got a cannon of a shot. And when he's, he's playing well and when he's confident, he can make plays in zone um, that a lot of the other guys can't, you know, Hannafin is that nice Swiss army knife player. Who's who's a great skater and he can do, he can play pretty comfortably everywhere, but he, he does not have killer instinct in the offensive zone. Not really at all. He, he doesn't have much of a shot either. So um I think it should be Anderson. I I honestly haven't seen Weger play um, enough to say what he's going to do offensively. I've only looked at his numbers and things, but um, I would imagine one of those guys will be on the top unit. And my guess is Anderson. And the other two will be on the second unit.
2: And so uh, the one thing about Weger, I'm presuming that you're seeing when you're looking at these numbers, a player who you're, you're throwing a a top, a top pairing defenseman in here uh, Mm -hmm. after, Anderson and Hannafin like played the majority, I think maybe every game together last year. Um, Pretty much. Yeah. How do you see? So at even strength, do you think that this means more equitable ice time between the top two units? Do you just see Hannafin slotting into a, a number three role?
1: Yeah, that's I've, I've been doing rosters ever since the the trade happened. And I, and I cannot settle on what the top four rotation is going to be in, in town. Mm. Uh, just because Shillington was really comfortable with Tanev, and they had a pretty good season as well and they they offset each other's strengths and weaknesses pretty well, right? Tanev is the the foil to Shillington. they're kind of opposite players, but they they mix well and the funny thing is is they started with Zadorov and tanev as a as a pairing, and that was a disaster. It was absolutely horrendous <laughs> zadorov got got a healthy scratch because of it. Shillington came in found that role and stuck with it. But if you keep that top four rotation, you're playing uh, <laughs> weaker in the third third unit, and that doesn't make much sense. So, uh, yeah, I, he should be on the first, the, the top rotation. And the other issue is he plays both sides pretty well, too. So it's it's a really good problem to have, but I have not settled on what the actual combinations will be.
2: Yeah, especially because if you do, you know, find a way to put them on a top unit with either of the the other two that we've talked about, the the Anderson and Hannafin group, it's like, well, are you just making one of those players worse? Does it cut into your gains by by switching those two players up? Right.
1: Yeah. It's and, and then you you bump probably Shillington down. Does he play well with Zadorov? Is that a good third pairing? It's yeah, a lot of unanswered questions. They're going to have to experiment, I think, for the first 10 games, maybe 20 games at least, just to see where the chemistry is.
2: And would you guess that that's maybe why? I mean, we saw the contract for Jonathan Huberto come together pr- relatively quickly. Do you think that's why maybe we haven't seen uh, an extension for Weger?
1: Uh, no, I, I think the team is pretty eager to sign um
2: they're eager Both for the players. Yeah.
1: They, <laughs> well, especially after what they went through this summer, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think they want to wait on it very long. It's probably just a, maybe it's a tougher negotiation for whatever reason. And maybe mm-hmm. the player wants to see uh what the chemistry is here in town. Cause there's always two sides to a negotiation.
2: I kind of, yeah, I was kind of getting Kawhi Leonard vibes from the Jonathan Huberto uh, <laughs> arrival. And I was, I was very worried for the flames who, you know, when I lived out West, I kind of adopted them as a, a, a as my second team. So yeah. I, I was really not enjoying that they were going to lose Matthew Kachuk, that they were losing Goudreau. They bring in Huberto, and my thought is, that's ah, pretty good for this year, but I was very happy when they were able to to lock him in. Um, one other defenseman I did want to ask you about is a player who has been rated really highly by friends of the show who are prospect experts. That's Yusuf mm-hmm. Alamaki who really has not popped at the NHL level yet. And, you know, to the point where like last year, the flames were opting to call up Connor Mackey instead of Alamaki. Uh, yep. Mackey's numbers were, were much stronger in the, the AHL for sure, but definitely concerning signs for players who might be in dynasty leagues and, and who have had Valamaki on the, the roster for a while. Do you have any sense of, of whether Valamaki can live up to that, that potential that he showed at one point?
1: Uh, it doesn't look like it quite yeah. honestly. He's he's taken numerous steps back since arriving in town. A lot of it, I think, is injury-related, and he he can't seem to skate well enough anymore. He's had uh, knee problems for a while. Uh, I looked at his numbers in the AHL, and I talked to people who watch the AHL. He wasn't even a top-pairing guy for the Heat for a lot of the season, and then I looked at Pick 224 which is a nice uh, prospect database and stuff, and they have a visualization that shows you Point percentage versus even strength goal ratio, basically showing how much a guy scored and how often he was scored on or for when he's on the ice. And Valimaki was in the worst portion of the quadrant in the visualization. Um, and for a guy like him, he should be dominating the AHL at this point. I mean, he he went to Finland uh, during the I think this pandemic there, and and uh, yeah, they said he was one of the best players in the league, let alone on his team. And it's just been downhill from there for him and i've always liked the prospect i think he's he had almost everything when he arrived and when they picked him but he i don't know if it's missing so much development because of injury or because he he's literally hobbled at this point but yeah he he does not look to I, i mean he may he might go on waivers here after the training camp
2: was it the knee did he blow out the knee uh after the pandemic like 2021
1: I think so. Cause he, I think it was his last year in junior, where he got a high ankle sprain coming out of junior going into the NHL, high ankle sprain. And then it was a knee <laughs> the next season. So it's been a lot of uh, missed time for Valimaki since he turned pro. Uh,
2: and so we, I'm going to ask you about uh, the flames goaltending and then I'll, we'll, we'll chat prospects before we get out of here. But, um, sure. I guess, uh, I guess maybe I'll, I'll split this up because there's a prospect goalie I'm going to ask you about. So I'll ask you about the prospect skaters first. And I think there are a couple of players in the pipeline here, Connor Zari, Zari, sorry. And, uh, Jacob Peltier, who are sort of the, the de facto top two in Calgary's pipeline. Um, yeah. I'm wondering what your what your faith are in these players making noise from a fantasy perspective in the near future, or or if they seem like players who it might take a bit longer, or you know who who you might be less less into than you know being a, a top six <laughs> contributor. I don't know.
1: Uh, I would say Pelche is going to challenge for a roster spot this year. Uh, he was easily one of the best uh, forwards on the team last year as a twenty twenty. year old 21 year old in the hl which is pretty rare Uh, i think he scored at a point per game pace and yeah the team really likes him and he plays a complete game he's a you know high motor which will appeal to sutter he probably would have gotten the games last year if more guys got injured but the flames were actually one of the healthiest teams in the league so a lot of their guys up front didn't didn't really get looks azari is years out he had um he also got injured in training camp last year missed Almost half the season and was sort of playing down the rotation. So, uh, he's very talented. I think he's a, a quality prospect, but this was sort of a setback for him. So he's going to need to, I think he's going to need a couple of years to, to get back on the horse and prove that he's a, could be an NHLer. Cheller. Um, Matthew Phillips is another guy on the farm, uh, really small, but was easily their best forward last year and has been for, I think, two years running. We'll see if he gets a look, but yeah, those are the guys to, uh, Adam Ruzicka, I guess too. He hasn't been resigned yet, but the the team really likes him. He's six foot four. He's got good hands. Uh, the problem with him is he's not great defensively, and his uh, intensity can can waver. So he'll have to win over Sutter to get more than fourth line ice time.
2: That is kind of the the give and take of a, a Sutter coaches uh, of having Daryl Sutter as your coach is that. Yeah, yeah. These players might be electric talent-wise, but if he perceives them to be not giving it a hundred percent, I feel like it's going to be a, a long slog to getting ice time.
1: Yeah, you don't play if he's not happy with uh, how hard you're playing.
2: And so with Pelje, okay. I believe he typically plays left side. Is that right? Yeah, he does. So do you think that he's a player who maybe could be, tra- like if he makes the team, do you think there's a chance that he plays up the lineup to fill in a spot on the right side just because the team is is lacking in quality wingers on that side?
1: Yeah, it's entirely possible. It'll depend on their faith in him. Uh, can he play both sides? Uh, can he come out as a rookie and, and just switch um, wings? But they've done it with Dubé before who's played Literally all three four positions. Again, because they don't have many right wingers. But yeah, it's it's entirely possible, I'd say.
2: And before we get to Jacob Markstrom, just because we're talking prospects anyway, the other player on my list here to talk about prospects-wise is Dustin Wolf. Um, do you have uh do you have much faith in Wolf becoming a a big part of this team long term?
1: Uh he's the best goaltender prospect I've seen for this franchise in, I don't know. Actually, the last time I've been disinterested in the goalie <laughs> prospect for the Calgary Plains. They have not been good at drafting and developing goalies, obviously. But yeah, he uh, he was one of the best goaltenders in the AHL last year. He was the best goalie in the CHL the year before. If he was six foot three, um everyone would be talking about him, but he's six feet tall. So uh, but we do know that you know, six foot tall goaltenders can still make good starters in the NHL. It does happen. So I think he'll get this year. Just this one more year. If, if he's as dominant as he was last year, uh, you could see him, you know, making his way to the the parent club uh, the year after that.
2: Unbelievable for a, a kid who's you know turned twenty one this year to to be a seventh round pick and and just go into the NHL or into the AHL within a season or two and and be putting up these you know this nine twenty four that he put up save percentage wise last year. And the interesting thing I think with uh, Jacob Markstrom, a player who a player who was kind of expected to pop much sooner than he wound up, uh, Ooh, becoming a, a, a star. Yeah. 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 So like, I think most people don't realize like Jacob Markstrom is 32 years old. So, yeah. um, like when we look at a player like, like Markstrom, who's had three, four year, the best three, four year stretch of his career over the past few years. And, and last year was his best statistical season with a, a nine twenty two save percentage. Um, you know, my question was going to be I, I wasn't going to bleed into Dustin Wolf talk, I guess, when I asked this, but <laughs> I was going to bring up just the Jacob Markstrom age thing. Like, do you, I, I would be shocked if he fell off the map this season, but. It's not like we're looking at like an Igor Shastierkin situation of a, a 25, 26 year old who's who's putting up these elite numbers. Like there's going to be room for a, a number one goal or you know, a player to challenge for for starts in Calgary in the next couple of years, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, I definitely think so. Once once almost any hockey player gets into that mid-30s range, um, you know, the drop-off can happen at any point. And sometimes it's very gradual guys sort of ease into the the back nine and sometimes it is very sudden and they just step into an elevator shaft and you can never really say which it's gonna be until it happens. So yeah we'll see.
2: It kind of feels that way for goalies a lot too. I think because they get oh yes they they get held up in the prospect development system. They don't get a lot of starts in the NHL until they're in their late twenties and then maybe it takes a little bit longer to to develop those, I guess develop the timing and and every like Pekarene is a great example of a goalie who was around forever before he hit like really his his best years, and then he winds up winning yeah. a Vesna in his mid thirties. So I mean, Jacob Marks from being good, he's been good enough the last few years that I wouldn't be shocked for him to to remain good for another couple seasons. But yeah, I, I feel like I have my my eye my eyebrow raised a little bit anytime I see a goalie at yeah at thirty two thirty three it's it's hard to hard to project too far into the future there
1: yeah absolutely Any anytime you have a player on a roster who is a very main role, a top line center, a number one defenseman or a starting goalie who's thirty two and over, you do have to start you know considering what what will happen here if if the decline begins
2: excellent. Kent, those were all the questions that I had for you. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us on the show tonight. Where can our listeners follow your work?
1: Uh, I'm on Twitter, mostly, of course, with everyone else. So Kent underscore Wilson. Uh, if you're a Flames fan, come by Big Body Presence on Discord and, and join us there. It's uh, it's a little quiet now, not a lot happening, but uh, once, once things start up, training camp, uh, it'll be lively again
2: it'll be lively the saddle dome will be rocking the uh the dressing rooms will probably be shaking there will be debris falling (laughs) from the the ceiling maybe uh big big holes will open up in the ground (laughs) right uh you know jonathan huberdell gets swallowed up and uh the the flames will be in another period of darkness but uh, kent we really appreciate it thanks so much for for joining us tonight
1: yeah my pleasure